0: in today's episode the united states postal service is going to take a little bit more of our money this holiday season ebay has suspended its largest trading card seller and i've sold a bunch of stuff what is up galaxians welcome to another episode of the Galaxy CDs, Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast live edition. If you are here live this morning on YouTube, uh, feel free to leave a comment in the chat, and I'll I'll try <laughs> uh, to look over there. But we have got a huge show today. I think I've got thirteen news articles to go over and fourteen items that have sold over the last week out of my eBay and Mercari stores. So let's not miss a boat. Let's just get right to it. Oh, by the way, if this is your first time here, my name is Ryan. I'm a full-time reseller, part-time YouTuber, and podcaster working out of the greater Cincinnati area. And this channel is all about the flip life. Use updates. So let's get straight to it. The United States Postal Service last week requested, it has not yet been approved, but I assume like last year, it will be rubber stamped by the powers that be. They have requested for this year another holiday surcharge for package shipments. Uh, E-commerce Bytes broke this news last week. If you follow me over on Instagram, you probably saw a post about this when this news broke. Uh, this one actually is going to take effect last year. It went into effect, I think the second or third week of October. This time it's going an extra two weeks. It's essentially all of October, all of November and most of December. The, uh, average price increase is 6.3% for those who print postage online. So pretty big jump. Uh, These increases would affect online sellers who use United States Postal Service, Priority Mail, Priority Mail Express, First Class Package Service, Parcel Select, USPS rather Retail Ground, and Parcel Return Service, if approved. International products are not included in this. Media Mail, likewise, is not included. However, if you recall from an episode several months ago, Media Mail rates are scheduled to go up, I believe, on august 29th with a permanent price increase that averages are right around 12 or 13 percent so that's a pretty big jump uh the one pound rate for media mail is going up i think 30 cents so that's a pretty hefty increase uh, but media mail will not be affected by this seasonal surcharge nor will international these higher fees if approved would go into effect on october 3rd and remain in place until december 26th assuming that it gets approved as it did last year Uh, Last year, this article says the rates went up from October 18th through December 27th. So this is essentially an extra almost 15 days, two weeks worth of higher prices. Here is how the United States Postal Service explained this year's surcharge. The seasonal adjustment will bring prices for the organization's commercial and retail customers in line with competitive practices and aims to provide USPS with the revenue to cover extra costs should holiday volume surge as it did in 2020. Well, no duh. (laughs) Uh, It's clearly going to increase. The volume is clearly going to increase. Hopefully, they have planned better for it this year. Although I say that knowing that even right now, the United States Postal Service is still experiencing delays. I got a request just this morning for an item that is late. So they continue to have delays. So I'm not particularly hopeful that we're going to get better service this holiday season than we got last holiday season, but there you go. Here's a quick rundown of the increases. I'm not going to go over all of them. I will, as always, link to this in the show notes and the video description below, uh, 75 cent price, excuse me, goodness, uh, Apparently, I need more coffee. (laughs) Uh, 75 cent increase for priority mail and priority mail flat rate boxes and envelopes. Uh, 25 cents for zones 1 through four, zero to 10 pounds, yada, yada, yada. Pretty big increases at at zones 5 through 9 and 21 to 70 pounds. It's actually going up 5 bucks. So, pretty big jump. First class package service commercial rates will start at 3.01 currently. They're going up 30 cents. Um... Parcel select, destination, sectional center. I don't even know what some of this is. (laughs) Uh, Dollar increase and so on. So a pretty hefty increase across the board. Let me know in the comments below or in the chat if you're here live how you intend to tackle this. I've talked about this previously. It's difficult. You could just pass this on to the customer, especially if you already charge for shipping. It'll just be built in. That can be difficult to do because an item is only worth what an item is actually worth. And if your price goes up, you might not be competitive any longer with someone who's offering free shipping and just absorbing that charge. So this is kind of an interesting situation. Let me know what you intend to do for my part. Um, uh, Probably 95% of what I ship is media mail. So it's going to be affected by the price increase coming up in a couple of weeks and not this particular increase. But uh, still, nonetheless, not good news for sellers or consumers, frankly, especially if it's coupled again with major slowdowns. A big surprise, yesterday, uh, eBay has pulled, suspended their biggest trading card seller, citing Shill Bidding. Um, and PWCC, who is the organization that has been suspended, has, of course, responded. Those in the trading card industry were shocked Tuesday afternoon when a mass blast email from eBay said it had restricted the selling privileges of its largest trading card seller, PWCC, as a result of what it said was shill bidding. The news created a ripple throughout the community since PWCC is such an integral part of eBay sales. A source said it is believed That PWCC did at least $200 million worth of gross sales on eBay in the last year alone. eBay stated recently it was determined that individuals associated with the trading card seller PWCC have engaged in quote-unquote shill bidding, which is prohibited on eBay. As a result eBay has restricted PWCC's selling privileges and listings effective today. eBay's policies and standards were designed to ensure a trusted marketplace where our community can transact with confidence. If we determine that a buyer or seller is not acting in good faith, eBay takes this seriously and takes action. For their part, PWCC said in a statement its executives were, quote, shocked to hear the accusations presented by eBay. They also say eBay allegedly never presented them with such evidence and that, quote, to PWCC's knowledge, its employees have never engaged in a, any behavior that violates eBay's agreements and policies. The statement noted that while PWCC is a partner, its employees do not have access to eBay's bidding records or information. While eBay said their selling privileges would be restricted, customer service representatives for both companies suggested it was the end of their partnership for now and that all listings would come down in the next day or two. As of three o'clock yesterday, there were still almost 18,000 live auctions up from PWCC. Uh, eBay reps had no additional public comments as to presenting any evidence of this shill bidding. Um, If you're not familiar with that, it is essentially when a seller places fake bids in order to drive up their own selling price. Uh, P.W.C.C. did say they will conduct an conduct an internal investigation to explore whether there had been any of this show bidding within the company. eBay's note and the action leads many in the business to wonder how much of the recent card boom, which had peaked in February, was real and how much of it was due to show bidding. Uh, PWCC also started to auction cards on their own platform that they built because of their contract with eBay. The platform, at least up until yesterday, said it was powered by eBay. They have been partners over the years, uh, but PWCC started to do more on their own. It has also apparently built a vaulting business, which allows buyers to avoid sales tax by sending their winning cards to PWCC in Oregon. Having cards in their vault also allowed them to build a private sales business thanks to cataloging the high-end cards. Today's unilateral action by eBay simply hastens PWCC's move to the new platform, the statement said. Well, that <laughs> uh, that's pretty obvious. Uh, although the announcement is a public relations nightmare for the industry, it probably won't affect eBay's bottom line that much. As a power seller, PWCC has had a deal with eBay that gives them uh, a, a advantage in the commission rates. They apparently were only paying between 1% and 3% versus 10% that other sellers pay. So uh, maybe there's something to this power seller thing. <laughs> um, PWCC apparently is also the subject of an ongoing FBI investigation, which has currently lasted more than two years, seeking to find out how involved, if at all, they were in working with card trimmers, to trim cards to get better grades with PSA. Um, PWCC, of course, denies any connections to this card trimmer that's under investigation. So um, the article closes by saying it did not go unnoticed that the PWCC founder, Brent Huygens, did not show up at the National Sports Card Collectors Convention in Chicago. (laughs) Uh, So this is pretty huge news. The, we've talked about a couple of times on this show that I, I personally have not been convinced that the trading card boom is built to last. If evidence points to more of this sort of thing going on, that may very well be the case. Uh, the bottom potentially could drop out of this business. I, I don't know. I don't know how much of it's legitimate and how much of it is stuff like this. Uh, but this certainly gets your attention and makes you wonder so let me know in the comments let me just pop over here to the chat and see Uh, this goes back to the shipping article uh, trb collectibles says I will be charging for shipping I think the buyer will really be looking for the best price so the competition more than likely will raise their price as well and that very well could be Um, whether you raise your selling price or just charge shipping. Either way, you're passing that along to the customer. So it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. Uh, Like I said, I probably won't make an adjustment. I didn't last year, so we'll see how it goes. If you want to save some money on shipping and you're on Etsy, uh, they just introduced a really interesting program. If you purchase regular first-class envelope postage with Etsy, you can save money and get tracking. Uh, Some USPS rates are increasing on August 29th. First class and priority package rates are not going up, but regular first class mail envelopes are increasing. And Etsy has introduced this new program. Really interesting. First class mail single piece letters right now are 55 cents. They are going up to 58 cents. But if you buy it on Etsy, You'll only pay 53 cents lower than the current rate and you'll get tracking. On August 29th, the USPS is increasing rates for first class letters, but we have good news for you. You'll pay less than what you would at the post office on retail rates when you purchase postage on Etsy. Etsy regularly works with shipping carriers like USPS to get great shipping rates. In fact, you can save up to 30% compared to retail rates. First class letters can be used to ship stickers, cards, and other small, flat, pliable items. Their shipping will also include tracking, giving you an extra peace of mind and helping shoppers see when their order will arrive. You'll also get some extra protection. Any non-delivery cases opened against your shop will automatically be closed when you provide a tracking number that shows the order was delivered. There is a link to a full set of the rules for how to use this. So if you're on Etsy and selling... Um, this is pretty helpful because a lot of sellers were concerned. We talked about last week, the new Etsy star seller program, where one of the things is that items require tracking. And one of the big complaints was that a lot of particularly small stuff like stickers and patches and whatever that you might stick in a regular first class envelope and ship don't justify sending as a package with tracking. This would allow you to send that in a regular first class envelope with discounted first class shipping, postage, and get tracking. They bring this up in their statement. Uh, tracking is now required for most orders, $10 and over shipped from the US to shoppers in the US to, to make adding tracking more affordable for these small items. You can get this discounted first class letter rate on Etsy. Again, there is a link if you're on Etsy to this whole program and how it works. But uh, kudos to Etsy for not only saving you some money, but putting you in a position where you can actually comply with their tracking request without having to spend more money. So good deal. We just talked about this a little bit. Um, eBay is continuing to have problems with their media mail labels. And this kind of goes back to something I've talked about a couple of times on this show. When they make changes within their system, it has unintended downstream effects. And you may recall as part of the spring seller update, eBay made a bunch of changes to categories. They moved items around, they changed categories, and some items which qualify for media mail ended up in categories that broadly, according to eBay, do not qualify for media mail and it has posed problems. I'm dealing with this probably three times a week, maybe more. For instance, a book that I choose to list in military collectibles as a book rather than in the books and magazines category. For some reason, it won't allow me, even though it's a book, (laughs) uh, to print media mail shipping labels. So this is kind of an ongoing issue eBay claims for their part uh, that they have f- fixed most of it. Uh, the shipping team made changes. It appears they went by the parent category, disregarding legit subcategories that can have items shipped by media mail. An eBay moderator has said a colleague was still working with the shipping team regarding this, but some progress has been made. Quote, he told, he's been told that many of the missing categories have been added back in. If you come across any that qualify for media mail, But still don't have that option, please be sure to get those reported on the thread. I assume this is within the eBay community page. So if you're having this issue, uh, check over on the eBay community page for that thread and be sure to chime in. eBay open, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about it Um, real briefly. eBay has announced now that they had over 7,000 sellers attend the virtual eBay open online conference over the three day span. So I don't know how that compares to actual physical turnout when they have it at a convention center, but 7,000 people is not a bad number. Uh, the article again, I will link to it, uh, highlights some of the things that they talked about, new payment, flexibility and control options, more stringent unpaid items and items, not as described protections, the coded coupon milestone. They have had 1 million. Buyer downloads of the new coded coupon, which is awesome. Uh, They also talked about store enhancements, video search and customization, and the new um, pay-per-click promoted items thing. So interesting article, but kudos to eBay for putting that thing together. I know it was not glitch-free for some folks, but 7,000 attendees is a pretty big number. eBay's CEO has explained how his reign is going to be different from his predecessors in terms of how they go after customers. Uh, His plan is to turn customers into lifelong eBay enthusiasts. He revealed, and this was part of their um, second quarter statement, financial statement conference call, that global active buyers on eBay totaled 159 million for the last quarter, which was down 2% from last year, but up 3% compared to 2019. So probably about what you would expect given the situation with the pandemic that's gone on. Changes in our marketing mix and product investments have focused on attracting and retaining these enthusiasts, particularly Gen Z and the millennials. Steve Priest chimed in that eBay saw a reduction in buyers of low-priced items and explained, and this is this goes back to the old 80-20 rule, Um, and was pretty interesting actually high-value buyers represent 20 percent of eBay buyers and account for almost 75 percent of their gross merchandise volume so their sales low-value buyers represent 50 percent of eBay buyers but only account for 5 percent of eBay sales eBay has a definition Of course they do. (laughs) Uh, For high and low value buyers, the high value buyers are those uh, who purchase at least six days a year and spend over $800 during the course of the year. They're rejecting the approach, as I mentioned, that their predecessor took in 2019, which was, quote, really just about the number of active buyers, even low value buyers or one and done buyers. The CEO says, I've got the whole organization pivoted to focusing on these high-value buyers, buyers that are buying over $800, buying six times a year, or buyers who are also sellers. He says, I've met a lot of these buyers. They wake up, they get a cup of coffee, and they turn to eBay and open the app. And our focus is really not just on the total number of buyers, he says, but really focused on how we're driving these buyers to become enthusiasts. Uh, This new approach is supposedly in line with their new vertical strategy where they're focused on categories. They referred specifically to trading cards, so we'll see how that continues. They've already done $2 billion in trading card sales and collectibles this year. He said this shift to a focus on higher average selling price is healthy for the ecosystem. We think it's going to continue to be driven that way because consumer to consumer, as we look at it, we hope to continue will outpace business to consumer and lean in on these categories of value, like our luxury goods. So the program they introduced for like high-end watches, collectibles, and of course their sneaker resale program and all of that stuff. So that is their new focus going forward. That's what they want to focus on is kind of that smaller number of buyers, but the ones who are really spending a lot of money. I don't know how that actually affects an individual seller. Somebody like me who's got, gosh, thousands of sub-$15 items. Maybe I'm not what eBay is looking for, but my con- my business continues to be good. So <laughs> uh, I'm not going to complain. Moving on to some news for ThreadUp, Their CEO is looking to go bigger. Uh, James Reinhart is hitting the accelerator at ThreadUp, buying entry into Europe, which we talked about was either last week or two weeks ago. Building capacity to process more secondhand goods from consigners and powering resale operations for outside merchants. So kind of the playing the role of the middleman, sourcing stuff for retailers from consigners in order to keep this stuff kind of within their ecosystem, which, as I've said before, I think is just brilliant. He's doing all this because he sees a mammoth opportunity. Uh, They reference, of course, their recent report of how fast this thing is growing. Every day we wake up, we realize how big the opportunity is in front of us. Uh, They did report stronger-than-expected second-quarter sales, although, to be fair, they lost a lot more money. Part of that is kind of the typical growth pattern of a startup. Uh, They're just throwing money at the thing and burning through cash in order to grow their business with the idea that at some point down the road... It will be profitable so far. Investors are buying in. Uh, it's an opportunity that the traditional fashion industry is feeding, making goods that go into consumers' closets and then increasingly cycle back out into ThreadUp's supply chain. Many fashion companies are getting into resale themselves, like we've talked about over the last month on this show. Most recently, Madewell, Farfetch, and Fabletics. They're using ThreadUp's resale as a service option but the brands that are not inadvertently feeding a potentially giant competitive risk. He adds, especially on the supply side, we just see incredible interest in our clean-out service, referring to the bags the company gives users to empty out their closets and send in the looks on consignment. It really feels like we've struck this nerve with the American consumer, and I don't want to lose our relationship position. We have this incredible opportunity to change the way consumers shop, I've never been more ambitious and more excited about the sort of impact we can make in the world. Um, but like I said, they are losing money. A big future, it says, is built one quarter at a time. Their revenues rose 26.7% to $60 million for the three months that ended June 30th, which was significantly better than the $54.3 million that analysts had projected. Active buyers was up 8% to 1.3 million while orders grew 22% to 1.2 million from a year earlier. However, net losses grew to $14.4 million from 6.7 a year ago. Again, with the company prioritizing growth and apparently still getting a pass from Wall Street to do so. So big news continues over at ThreadUp. They just continue to look for partnerships and ways to grow their business. So more power to them. What else have we got here? Oh yes, yes, yes. Another, speaking of retailers getting into the resale market, uh, H and M is now getting involved in this secondhand trade business. This is going on, uh, at least for now, just in Canada, they're entering, uh, it's going to be called H and M reware. Um, platform should go online. September 7th of this year was announced in the business of fashion group, a test, for what may still be to come. This article was from Germany. They comment that a company called Zalando has already gone online over there with its secondhand platform. So this is this is a worldwide phenomenon. It's not just here in the US, but um, be on the lookout for an H&M resale option coming to the internet. If you are an Amazon seller, they have updated their insurance requirements and their A to Z claims policy. They launched a new policy to protect customers against defective products that cause property damage or personal injury, regardless of whether Amazon or a third party merchant sold the item. In conjunction with this new A to Z claims process for property damage and personal injury, Amazon is modifying its existing requirement that sellers obtain insurance and it created a network, of vetted insurance providers. So that's good. If you don't wanna get your own, they have a list of insurers that you can go through to set up your insurance. The statement says, Amazon has a long-standing requirement that sellers sellers obtain product liability insurance and name Amazon as an additional insured once they reach $10,000 in sales for three consecutive months. So that's a pretty big target before you have to get the insurance. We are updating this requirement and effective September 1st. Our business solutions agreement will require sellers to obtain product liability insurance and name Amazon as an additional insured. Once you reach $10,000 in sales in just one month. So the three consecutive months is now out. If you hit the $10,000 threshold in one month, you need to have insurance to be able to sell on Amazon. If you are a new seller or are an existing seller looking for a new policy, we have worked with an insurance broker to create Amazon Insurance Accelerator, a network of vetted insurance providers to help you easily and affordably secure liability insurers. Uh, These insurers can evaluate and, if appropriate, offer liability insurance at competitive rates to qualifying sellers. We will continue to expand the Amazon Insurance Accelerator to include more providers over time. You can learn more and contact the providers here. I guess there's supposed to be a link, but there isn't. (laughs) Uh, if you already have insurance, please confirm it is up to date and saved on the business insurance page over on seller central. Amazon stands behind you and the hundreds of millions of products. Our sellers offer customers with the expanded A to Z guarantee. We're proud to continue to partner with you to provide customers with peace of mind every time they shop in our store and to help you increase sales and grow your business. There's a really quick, kind of Q and A on down here. Can I bring my insurance? Absolutely. As long as it meets their requirements. Uh, is Amazon taking a cut from this insurance accelerator program? Amazon says not a penny. The transaction is between you and the provider you choose to go with. We do not receive any commission or referral fees from this program. Is Amazon going to charge me for claims under $1,000? No, As long as you have insurance, we will handle and pay valid claims under $1,000, which we know from past data makes up 80% of the claims filed. We're trying to make these claims stress-free for you. And what types of claims are eligible for this process? Only valid property damage or personal injury claims that can be proven to have been caused by a defective product are eligible for this process. This will not cover any property damage or personal injury resulting from the use of a product that is not defective. There are some links in this article to the Amazon help page for insurance policies. So if you're selling over there and you're at that or about to hit that $10,000 a month threshold, you need to be aware that insurance is going to be a thing. Another article over on e-commerce bites. This apparently has been going on for some time. Some readers reached out and said that PayPal has banned them from transacting business on their platform. One reader said they had been banned for selling on a niche marketplace. They did not say what that marketplace was, so I don't know. (laughs) Uh, There may be some niche marketplaces that fall afoul of PayPal's terms of use. Um, PayPal had not responded to this uh, article at the time of printing. But the review, the the email essentially said, you can no longer do business with PayPal. After a review, we've decided to permanently limit your account as we detected that this account was engaged in activity to deceive PayPal and its customers. You will not be able to conduct any further business using PayPal. You're no longer eligible for PayPal seller protection. This will apply to all existing and future cases. Any bank or credit card information that is linked to your PayPal account cannot be removed, nor can it be added to another account. So you can't just open another account with the same information. You can still log in and see your account information, but you cannot send or receive money. Here's the kicker. If you have funds in your PayPal balance, we'll hold it for up to 180 days. That's six months. (laughs) Uh, And after that period, we'll email you with information on how you can access your funds so uh, if you're a PayPal if you rely on PayPal um, I guess make sure you're following their terms of service this article is not super clear on what actually went wrong here but this obviously was an issue Etsy is running a promotion looking for buyers uh, new buyers Etsy waves $500 at users to get them to download its app It is sending out a marketing email, get the app, get $500, download the app to track your orders, chat with sellers, and enter for a chance to win a $500 Etsy gift card. Only customers who download the mobile app for the first time are eligible. This promotion runs from August 9th to August 23rd. They will do drawings on August 17th, which was yesterday, and again on August 24th. And we'll give away a total of four $500 gift cards. All US Etsy.com buyer account holders are eligible to enter. They must download and sign into the app for buying via Etsy during this promotional period. If your account was previously used to download the app and you re-download it, this will not constitute a valid entry. So again, kudos to eBay for reaching out and trying to grow their user base. Mercari. And JoJo Fletcher are trying to help Americans declutter for National Garage Sale Day. Uh, this is part of their hype for the new Mercari Local uh, Garage Sale Day. I didn't even know there was such a thing. It was August 14th. Uh, shout out to my daughter. That was my daughter's birthday. Uh, Mercari is partnering with television personality and interior design expert JoJo Fletcher to help Americans reimagine a space in their homes by using the marketplace's newly launched Mercari Local offering. Starting today, consumers can enter to win a makeover to declutter their garage or a room of their choice through the Mercari Local sweepstakes. The grand prize winner will receive a personal video consultation with JoJo along with a cash prize and Mercari credit to make over the space of their dreams. As part of this campaign, JoJo will be selling bulky hard to ship items from her own home in Dallas which will be available for nearby Mercari shoppers to purchase on Mercari local. Other smaller items will be available from her on the platform nationwide. So, uh, I have to admit, I have no idea who this person is. (laughs) Uh, I don't watch a lot of TV, so I assume she is some kind of TV makeover, whatever, um, Anyway, to enter savvy shoppers and sellers across the U.S., including all 50 states and the District of Columbia, Columbia simply need to upload a picture of their cluttered space to MercariLocalSweeps.com. The sweepstakes runs from August 12th through August 27th. One grand prize winner will receive that video consultation along with a $3,000 check and a $500 credit added to their Mercari account where they can spend it on everyday finds or unique treasures. So there you go. If you have a space you want to get cleared out, Send a picture in to MercariLocalSweeps.com. And lastly, as I said, I always try to close with something weird. This is weird and sad and disturbing. I've talked about this previously. A Chicago pharmacist now faces 120 years in prison for allegedly selling CDC vaccination cards on eBay. I talked about this back in the spring that fake vaccination cards were kind of a thing and this this guy is in for a a mess uh now that we're seeing more and more business asking for patrons vaccine status when they walk through the door have you had that happen to you I don't even take mine with me anywhere um I've actually got it on a magnet on my refrigerator but I'm not carrying the thing around I guess maybe I should um but have you been asked to prove vaccination status anywhere. Everywhere I go still just has the signs on the door that they recommend wearing a mask if you're not fully vaccinated. And you walk in and nobody's wearing a mask and you can't tell a vaccinated from an unvaccinated person. And it's just, it's a mess. But anyway, uh, the Justice Department has taken notice on Tuesday. They announced the arrest of a Chicago pharmacist on charges surrounding his alleged side hustle of selling off COVID-19 vaccination cards. The pharmacist in question, 34-year-old Tang Tang Zhao of Chicago, was caught after he had sold 125 authentic CDC vaccination cards at roughly $10 a pop using his eBay account. Details in Zhao's uh, indictment show that those cards were doled out between 11 different buyers, with one spending more than $175 on a single purchase. The bulk of these buys happened between March and April of this year, around the same time that the FBI put out a public memo letting people know that producing these cards was a crime. He is charged with 12 counts of theft of government property from the pharmacy where he was working, which is not directly named in the documents, but appears, according to public records, to be a Walgreens. Per this announcement, he faces a sentence of 10 years in prison for each of those counts if convicted, meaning he could end up with a whopping 120-year prison sentence as a result. Stealing and selling COVID-19 vaccination cards is inexcusable and will not be tolerated, said Special Agent Lamont Pugh III of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services in a statement. Uh, This case actually marks the second time that DOJ has intervened in the black market for bogus vaccine cards. Last month, they arrested a California-based homeopathic doctor over claims that she was selling phony vaccination cards and, quote-unquote, immunization pellets to her clientele. So... Uh, just goofy stuff. Uh, don't do it. <laughs> uh, not every potentially profitable opportunity is a, a really good opportunity for you to be thinking about pursuing. So, uh, if that's something that you're thinking about, just just don't don't do it. <laughs> With all that being said, uh, let's get into what I sold. So have you ever had one of those weeks where the planets and the stars just all lined up and it seemed like everything worked? I have not had many of them, but I've got to tell you the last seven days, if I, if I broke out my, I usually do kind of Sunday through Saturday, that's my week. And I look at my week in that kind of frame of mind. But if I look at from the recording of this show last Wednesday, to the recording of this show today. I just completed my biggest seven days ever as a reseller. It has been absolutely crazy. You can let me know in the comments what your business has looked like, uh, over the last week or so, but man, August got off to a pretty suspect start, but has since just been nuts. Uh, quick, quick, good morning to uh, Regina, Michelle. Thanks for joining. Uh, once again aren't you at work <laughs> this morning thanks for stopping by I do appreciate it uh, let's jump in here and look at some of these items this first item is a CD this was part of the big bulk buy I did a little over a year ago so I own this for a whopping 3.7 cents the promise ring nothing feels good this was new and sealed on Jade Tree Records from 2005 I had it listed I think for $29.99, I sent out a 15% off offer and sold it for $25.49. So again, uh, the CDs are hit or miss. It does require that it's something a little more unusual and a little more special. We'll have another one here in a few minutes. Uh, but there is still some good, good money to be made in compact discs. There's also some good money to be made in books. These next couple are from a lot I bought at an estate sale just about a week ago, a little over a week ago. I bought 75 old vintage hardback books. They were from the publisher Grosset & Dunlap. So if you have a Bolo list, add Grosset & Dunlap to that list. They're not, as with anything, they're not all winners, but a lot of them are really, really good. There are two particular series that I'm going to highlight today. This first one, The Veiled Raiders. A Rick Brandt science adventure story. This is book number 20, it was written by John Blaine. These range from the late 1950s through, it looks like, the late 1960s. I didn't have a complete set of these. I'm not actually sure how many there are total, but these Rick Brandt science adventure stories have done really, really well so far. This is the highlight at $29.99. I bought that lot. It was 75 books. I paid a dollar a piece, so $75. I think I've got three in a row here to show you that will have more than made my money back just on three books. So, again, mental note or written note, whatever it takes, Grosset and Dunlap, uh, particularly Rick Brandt, Science Adventure Stories. This went for $29.99 with free shipping on a cost of a buck. This one also cost me a buck. It is another series book. From Grosset & Dunlap, the Ken Holt Mystery Series. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see that I even misspelled mystery in the title. I forgot the Y somehow. This was book number 14, uh, The Mystery of the Invisible Enemy. These books were written by Bruce Campbell, uh, not the guy from the zombie shows. (laughs) Uh, At least as far as I know. Uh, These also were written in the 40s, 50s, and maybe into the early 60s. Pretty big series of books. I have sold several of these. This is one of the better ones, Uh, $39.99 with free shipping. Again, on a cost of a buck. I guess I only had two. I took the other one out because I was trying to condense this because it was, I had like 20 things (laughs) uh, to share with you and I figured we'd be here all day. I talked about, uh, gosh, it was a couple of months ago, I picked up a big lot of Nintendo 64 owner's manuals. No games, no cases, just a box of owner's manuals, uh, instruction booklets. I paid 50 cents a piece them. Some of them have sold for eight, 10, 12 bucks. Some of them have brought really big money. This one, again, I sold on a uh, 15% off offer. Mischief Makers, Nintendo 64 instruction booklet manual only. I put that always in the title and at least twice in the description so people don't think that they're getting the game. This went for $29.74 with free shipping again on a cost of just 50 cents some DVDs uh, rock bass beginner and intermediate level from rock house featuring Chris McCarville I've not heard of this guy I picked these up as part of a big lot I own them for gosh maybe 30 or 35 cents a piece I listed these together in a lot for 34.99 I got a best offer of $30 with free shipping so that's a pretty nice sale be on the lookout for those music instructional dvds i think probably are a potential profit item so they're worth at least taking a look at Uh, these two essentially went for 15 dollars a piece on a cost of less than probably 40 cents something that's not a book a cd or a dvd i picked up (laughs) uh this winnie the pooh and friends backpack i've had this thing actually for quite some time i paid five dollars for it at a yard sale Not this past spring, but the previous spring. So I've had this thing for a long, long time. Five bucks for it. It sold for $32 with free shipping over on Mercari. Really cool bag. I was surprised that it took that long to sell. Maybe I was asking too much money for it, but nobody had made any offers. But finally, it is out of here. It cost, I don't know, seven bucks and something to ship with priority mail. So still a fairly profitable sale. My $5 was tied up for a lot longer than I would have intended, but $32 is still not a bad flip. Halo Reach, the limited edition 2010 collector's box. I picked up two weekends ago a box of 36 old X- original Xbox and Xbox 360 games for $40. So a little over a dollar a piece for these games. This one sold for $32.99 with free shipping, which along with several of the others I've sold that were lower priced, I've again long more than made my money back on that lot. So video games, older video games can still bring okay money. Some of them have been in that kind of $8 to $10 variety with a cost of goods sold of $1. five or $1.07 a piece. They're still they're winners in my book, but this was kind of the big hit out of that box. This was why I wanted the whole box. They had this one individually marked for 10 bucks, But on the box, it said $50 for the whole box. So, of course, you got to try them on, right? <laughs> I said, would you take $40 for the whole shooting match? And they said, absolutely. So, nice win. Those video games have been really, really strong. I've probably sold about half of them so far. This is a nice set of books. They weren't really in the greatest shape, but I was able to get them super, super cheap. I bought these at a church rummage sale for a quarter a piece. So nine books, whatever that works out to, $2.25. This also sold on a a discounted offer, 15% off. I think I was asking a little over $40 for these. They sold for $38.24. The Bookshelf for Boys and Girls. This was a nine-volume set from the early 1980s, There were a few others out there. I priced mine very competitively. I had way more pictures than anybody else, and these things sold within a couple of weeks for $38.24. Another CD. This guy is actually from here in Hamilton. He has since passed away. If I'm not mistaken, he died of AIDS several. It's been quite some time ago. Roger and Zap, the compilation, Greatest Hits 2 and More. This was a new and sealed CD on Reprise Records from 1996. I think because it was new and sealed, obviously it commanded quite a bit more money. $39.99 with free shipping. This was also out of the big 8,000 CD lot that I owned for three and a half, 3.7 cents a piece to be exact. So that's a pretty nice flip. This was an interesting book. I picked this up in an estate sale for a dollar. It's a local to The Cincinnati area, Cincinnati Pioneers, the Rawson family, 1831 to 1991. It was kind of a history and genealogy book written by Mary Burke. Never heard of her, never heard of them. I, I took a flyer on this thing for a dollar. I had it listed for $49.99 or best offer. I got an offer over the weekend for $40. So I went ahead and took that uh, from a dollar to $40. Bucks. Cost $3.45 to ship this thing media mail. That's a pretty nice score. It's not one you're probably likely to find. So I don't know that you would add it to your bolo list, but a lot of sellers talk about kind of local history and uh, like college yearbooks and high school yearbooks. I've done fairly well with all of those kind of things. Sometimes you're at a sale and they want five or 10 bucks for them. I generally keep on walking when I see that. But if I can get them for a dollar or 50 cents, I will always, almost always grab them because I don't mind having that stuff sitting around here waiting for the right buyer. This next item from 1975, the Parliamentary Law Bicentennial Edition. This sold, again, on a 15% off offer. It went for 42 49 I picked this up at a garage sale about a month ago for a whopping $0.25. Cents. So um, not all Parliamentary Law books are worth big money. This particular one was, a, like I said, a bicentennial edition, so it was kind of a special printing of this book, and it brought fairly decent money this is a really interesting item uh tool the rock band salival the cd and dvd box set book and slipcase. this was a limited edition pressing from back in 2000 this was a i had just opened my cd store back in 2000 when this thing came out and i sold a ton of them they are now of course very very hard to find I was walking around the 127, the world's long, largest yard sale, and I really didn't have very much success at that thing. It seemed like it was a lot of vendors just selling junk. It was essentially a big flea market, kind of in the section where I was walking around. But I found this item at a seller for a dollar, and it was not in the best shape. The picture, if you're watching on YouTube, doesn't really do it justice. The the case. The outer slip case, which was plastic, was really browned on the back and on one side, like it, it may be been exposed to a lot of sunlight and heat. The actual box had some wear on it, but the CD and the DVD and the book that were inside were mint, like new condition. Because of the condition of the case, I decided I'm going to just put this thing at an auction and see what it does. I started it at $24.99, which was kind of way at the low end of what anything was listed at. It received 21 bids and sold for $63 plus shipping. So an investment of a dollar brought 63 bucks. So be on the lookout for again, limited edition kind of one-off pressings. This was a big score. There are actually quite a few of them on eBay at any given time but they are still fairly hard to find and obviously can bring pretty good money. Here's another book. Uh normally something like this would be the flip of the week. So that gives you some indication what kind of week I've had. <laughs> uh here at the Galaxy she went in haste to the mountain by Eusebio Garcia. This is a one volume book that had three books that this person wrote in this series. I found this at a garage sale late last fall. So I've had it for almost a year, but I had it listed for $199.99 plus shipping because there just weren't any, and the last sold comp that I could find brought huge, huge money. I picked this thing up for $0.50. I accepted a best offer this weekend for $150 plus shipping on an investment of 50 cents. So if you happen to see this book, I don't know how likely it is. She went in haste to the mountain. Uh, there's, it's been a bit of a wait, but it brought really, really big money. So we'll definitely, definitely take that. And now it's time for your flip of the week. You can't even see all of them. That's how many of these this guy bought. So I've talked previously about kind of the model railroad magazines. I also picked up a big lot of prototype railroad magazines called Railfan and Railroad. I've got, I I'd hate to think how many years worth of these in storage. And I've sold a few here and there, but nothing really spectacular out of them. I own them for about 96 cents a year so it's not it's not killing me that they're sitting around here but i had one buyer from australia that made offers on i think it was seven different sets of these totaling 192 dollars plus domestic us shipping plus whatever he paid in shipping to get them to australia so this was a massive massive return on my investment like I said, I own these magazines individually for about eight cents a piece. So a 12 volume year cost me less than a dollar. He got, I think it was seven years worth. So I've got less than seven dollars invested in these. And they sold for $192 plus shipping. So magazines can be kind of a, a hassle. They can be kind of a problem to store. You got to figure out how you want to do that and and whatnot. But man, that was. Uh, fantastic. It was a little bit of a hassle because within the global shipping program, it, it does not appear that customers and uh, get an invoice for combined shipping. Eventually, this guy did or he reached out to eBay to get a combined invoice to kind of help him out a little bit on the shipping. Uh, but that's just a massive, massive flip. So if you're not, I've talked about this before as well. If you're not on the global shipping program, uh, it's definitely worth taking a look at. Uh, this week, I had several items that sold there including this massive flip of the week. So with that, that's going to wrap it up, man. I'm coming up on an hour here. If this is the kind of content that you enjoy and you're watching over on YouTube, please do me a favor. Hit that thumbs up button. If you're not a subscriber here, please consider subscribing. I am, at least for the time being, doing these shows live every Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock. I will go in then and add the links as I mentioned to all the news articles. So if you want to read any of that, you can go back and check out the video again, which would make me really happy (laughs) Uh, and click those links and see what's going on there. With that, I'm going to pop right back into this chat real quick just to see if there's anything going on. I got Mickey's finds. How did I not know Roger Trotman died? Yeah, he died in, according to this in uh, 1999. So, um, I didn't know he was from Hamilton and then somebody mentioned Zapp and Roger. I think I was at a record store and just kind of flipping through stuff. And there was a record of his in the bins and somebody kind of looking over my shoulder was like, Hey, you know, that guy is, he's actually from here. I'm surprised. And this is a pretty conservative area. So maybe the fact that he died the way he did, uh, has led the city to not kind of recognize him like they probably should, but I'm surprised there's not more recognition of what he meant to the music community, because he's pretty well thought of within the community. Jennifer R. Thanks for joining. Good morning. Um, and TRB collectibles. Let's read this thing. I think eBay really helped save model railroading in general. It was hard for people to find what they were looking for at the hobby shop, but with eBay, they could find it all. That is definitely true. And the other thing is, and again, no, not casting aspersions on independent businesses. Most hobby shops are list price sellers so everything is full price and model railroading can be a really really expensive hobby so ebay offering like it does in most categories the ability to find pretty much anything you would ever want and to find it at a pretty reasonable price uh has been a boon to the industry it is interesting also to see there's a lot of younger people that are getting into model railroading which kind of weird to me at this point um, with all the video games and everything, but I'm in a couple of groups and you see kind of young folks being exposed to it. So uh, all good for the model railroading industry. With that, we are going to close it for this week. I hope you are having a productive week. You're staying safe. I know some of you are out on the West Coast. I got several viewers and listeners from the California area, which essentially appears to be mostly ablaze at this point. So please stay safe if you are out there. And anywhere else um do what you need to do to stay safe and still continue to grow your business speaking of which it is now time to sell thanks guys oh that's the wrong thing this is the one you have been listening to the galaxy cds rocks and flips reseller talk podcast thank you so much for tuning in and we will catch you again next time